I kept feeling like they were going to open the door back up for the Jets, like they kept shutting it and then would creak it back open, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was just like, no, I want it shut. I think their game plan was to let Ryan Fitzpatrick beat himself. Sam Bradford is not bad at football. Just give it a week. Just wait. His ACL has one more week. They they brag about toasted ravioli like it's a thing. (laughs) Now, they made enough plays to win against the Chargers at home. Whoop-de-doo. 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 Welcome to the Mad Average Podcast, episode number six. It has been a while since we last talked to you guys. I think it's been like three weeks, and we haven't had an episode since the Chiefs season started, and uh, we're going to do instant reaction today, because we haven't talked about them in a while. We haven't talked about anything with you guys in a while, so uh, yeah. Wait, hey, hold on a second. The Chiefs just had another interception. Oh, good one. That's so funny. Marcus Peters just had another interception. Probably tipped off Derek Johnson's fingers. Probably. <laughs> Derek Johnson has like the worst hands in Kansas City. <laughs> I mean, he ended up with a, his own pick six today, so it's uh, it worked. My four-month-old has better hands than Derek Johnson, <laughs> but I love him. He's, yeah. he's he's like my favorite. He's like my favorite, one of my favorite Chiefs players ever. Anyways, uh, you can find us on Twitter at MadAveragePod. You can email us at MadAveragePod at gmail.com. We are on SoundCloud and we are on iTunes. You heard him already. I'm joined by my friends Josh Petit, JT Horstick, and my little brother who does the intro and music, Kyle Swanson. What's going on, guys? Well, Kent, two and one on the season so far. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think um, today probably upped our thoughts on the Chiefs a little bit higher than what they were after the Houston game last week. Maybe a little bit after the Houston game, but you know, we went through the Chiefs season and went through every game like three weeks ago, I'm a little lower on them than I was uh, when we started talking back then. And some of the things that we were kind of worried about with pass rush and uh, stuff like that, they haven't come to fruition. The Chiefs did not get a sack today. How is that possible? It's pretty incredible when you force eight turnovers and zero sacks. It was unbelievable. They did not really generate any real pressure more than like once or twice. I know they... I know. They forced Fitzpatrick to ru- to kind of rush one throw, and I think that one probably got intercepted. <laughs> Actually, it's most likely it got intercepted because if he attempted to pass, it was probably picked. But you know, some of the things that we've been talking about, they they uh, they still haven't been able to produce. My thoughts on the Chiefs haven't really changed that much, uh, especially after the Houston game. I thought the defense actually played really really well in that Houston game, and I don't know what was going on with Alex Smith and the offense uh, in Houston. Everything just seemed out of whack. I don't think it was any one guy's fault. You kind of have to put it some more, most of it on the quarterback, though, for being the leader. But there was obviously some problems with the offensive line. Um, the receivers, they just didn't seem to have their, their timing down. And we just couldn't get anything going. But the defense played pretty well. I wasn't – I mean, Houston's a good football team. Not great. They're a good football team, and it's at Houston. Didn't really change my mind very much uh, with that game. And then this game comes around, and this is one of those where you just kind of – Shake your head, and yeah, the Chiefs are good, but I don't know if they're going to be that much better than a, than a potential playoff team like the Jets were. The, the NFL in general has just been kind of weird, especially on the AFC side. Uh, it looks right now that the Patriots are a clear tier above everybody. Denver's up there, and then there's a bunch of other teams. Uh, Houston's probably one of the five best teams in the AFC. Uh, the Chiefs might still be one of the five best teams in the AFC, but the drop-off between one and five is huge. Yeah, the AFC um, 
is, like you said, there's a huge drop-off. About the only team in that lower tier that I still think is a pretty good team is maybe Cincinnati, who fell to 1-2 and two after losing to Denver today. But um, it's pretty interesting how you do have Denver and New England who have definitely separated themselves from the pack, and then uh, a tier of, like you said, about 3-4, to four, and then the rest of the league in the AFC is not very good, which makes it uh, the potential of wild card and uh, playoffs for the Chiefs look a little bit better that there's just not as many teams that it looks like are going to be um, vying for those positions. The only team I really trust right now is the Patriots, and you know they're going to they're going to get so much better, and they might just completely separate themselves uh, from the AFC if they haven't already. But with Trevor Simeon being the quarterback in Denver, and Paxton Lynch is good, I, I just wonder how they're going to be able to navigate through that whole thing because I think Trevor Simeon threw four touchdowns today, which I think is more of an aberration. You're not going to see that normally. But still, they've just got some weird things to navigate through with their quarterback situation. It may not matter, though, because the, the Broncos look about as good as they did last year. In fact, if you want to go based off last year's regular season, they probably look even a little bit better this year. Um, think about think about how many close calls they had in 2015, uh, the fluke that happened in, against the Patriots, and the fluke that happened against uh, against the Chiefs last year. They very easily could have been a wild card team. Yeah, and the other thing that stands out is I know last year the Broncos really struggled to protect Peyton Manning, and I know part of that is Peyton wasn't very mobile, but um, I think. I heard a stat today they'd given up seven sacks up to this point in the season last year, and they've only given up two this year. So that offensive line has improved a lot, which is helping Trevor Simeon be able to stand back there and you know find people. Uh, and he looked really good today. He did. And the thing I want to kind of go back to that thing about you know the protection issues. So last year they were using a hybrid version of, offensively of what Gary Kubiak likes to try to run and what Peyton Manning is good at. This year, they are running Gary Kubiak's system, play action, moving the pocket, a lot of zone blocking. You know, they're, they're, able to, um, they're able to run it the way that Kubiak wants. So I think the improvement you're seeing there may not necessarily be as much the players as it is kind of running the system that Kubiak wants to run. Um, so, yeah, we've got some ideas and thoughts about the AFC in general. But let's, just, let's just do some instant reaction on this game. Um, it, it was one of the weirdest games that I've seen. Uh, the Chiefs forced eight turnovers, and they win the game 24-3. to But I actually wasn't particularly thrilled with overall how the team played, mostly on offense, obviously, because, you know, there's still some question marks on defense, even though they forced eight turnovers. But offensively, they did not look good at all. I mean, they, they like you said, they forced eight turnovers, but the offense themselves only scored 10 points. Right. And one of those possessions, when they kicked the field goal, they were at the three-yard line and can't get it in. They started hot. They they looked phenomenal uh, in the first drive. They looked really, really good. And you know, you gotta give Andy Reid credit for that. He just he the, you know a lot of teams will talk a lot of player or teams talk about the first 15 plays. That's every team scripts their first 15. They use those 15 plays to kind of determine how they're going to attack teams the rest of the game. They throw a lot of looks out there, all that kind of stuff. The Chiefs' first 15, not only did they, I'm sure, get all the looks they needed to get, but they executed at an extremely high level early on. And uh, after that, though, the Jets settled in. The Chiefs just did not look good on the offensive side of the football. 
I think that was kind of a prototypical Chiefs win that we've seen the last couple of years. Like they they got that seventeen to three lead pretty quick. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I the, the idea of a prototypical Chiefs win having eight turnovers. Sorry, I know what you mean. I do. I agree completely. But I get you. Know. I get what you're saying. Not necessarily <laughs> the eight turnovers, but the thing I think we've seen a lot with the Chiefs is they don't really blow teams out. You know, they get the lead, which they got, and then they just kind of, you know, have offensive possessions. We'll get a couple first downs here, end up punting, kind of just manage the game. And I feel like that's what they did, and they kind of left it in the hands of the defense to keep getting stops. I kept feeling like they were going to open the door back up for the Jets. Like they kept shutting it and then would creak it back open. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was just like, no, I want it shut. And kept going <laughs> interceptions. But, uh,. I just that that's that's how the Chiefs have won the last um, you know since Andy Reid's been here and since Alex Smith's been here uh, they just they they kind of grind out wins after getting an early lead. I think the weird thing about Andy Reid teams that I've kind of noticed over time is yes I, t- I totally agree they just kind of grind out wins, but they don't do it in like the traditional way that a lot of teams do. You know like Denver they're just like sitting on the football and running it you know definitely at least twice you know first and second down and just you know trying to throw it on third just kind of that stuff Andy Reid is just like he's counterintuitive to that he manages the game by just throwing a ton of slants and he's all he th- they throw the ball more than you would expect a team that kind of plays the style that they do and has the running and have the running backs that they do. Yeah, that too. I mean, they have good running backs, and they're going to get another one soon, hopefully in Jamal Charles. They're going to have three workhorse backs or guys that are capable of being workhorse backs in this league. Two very, very good. I think Spencer Ware and Jamal Charles are obviously very, very good quarterback or running backs. I think the Chiefs' offense looks a lot better than the scoreboard showed. First off, just because the Chiefs aren't a type of team that are going to try to throw up a bunch of numbers and throw up a bunch of scores on people. It's just not the way they're built. Secondly, like Josh said, really what it comes down to is controlling the game, controlling the clock, controlling the time of possession. Alex Smith looked really good today at doing that. He was very, very efficient. He put the ball where it needed to go. And the the weapons they used, it wasn't just Spencer Ware going for 200 yards. This was a balanced attack. Travis Kelsey had some big plays. Spencer Ware had some great plays. Trick Andrews West was involved a little bit. He didn't seem really break out. Chris Conley caught some good plays. Tyreek Hill got in and made some big explosive plays. So I think the offense overall looked well-rounded and actually looked pretty good. And you can't forget the touchdown that we got taken away because Spencer mm. Ware dove and happened to fumble the ball in the end zone somehow without touching another defender. Like, I... <laughs> I still didn't know that was a rule in the NFL. I thought they had to touch it or recover it for it to be a touchback. But uh, if you add that rushing touchdown, this offense, we're talking about something completely different. So and I, I think it looked better than you're giving them credit for, but that's just my opinion. I, I do think we also need to take into consideration, I know I'm kind of arguing against what I just said. At the same time, though, the Jets are a very good def- defense. They're one of the better defenses in probably you know top 10 defense. I don't think they're elite, but they're still pretty good. Um I just the Chiefs left me something to be desired offensively, and that's honestly if if we're looking at the entire season, they've had one really good quarter of productive offensive football, and the rest has been bad. Some of it's just been the teams they're playing, but some of it, they just haven't they haven't seemed to completely click. Um, I do think that there's some things to be excited about with them, though. Alex Smith seems to being seems to be a little more aggressive, which is very important. I think. You know, one thing I was kind of wanting to look for after week one where, you know, he just went full beast and, and was one of the best performances I've ever seen a Kansas City Chief quarterback have in one quarter. I was really wanting to see if it was just going to be, are, are we going to build off that? Are you going to see some more aggressive play? Or is he kind of going to revert back into his shell and be very conservative? 
And to his credit, I think he has gotten a little bit more aggressive. He started to um, to look down the field a little bit more. Um, that's something to be optimistic about. Hasn't completely um, converted to a more productive offense, but I think there's some trends that you should be excited about. Yeah, Alex Smith is open. Alex Smith is opening it up a lot more than he did last year. We saw him throw a few balls down downfield, and that one to Tyree Kill that he almost caught was very encouraging because if Tyree Kill can show that he can burn guys that bad uh, running downfield. And then, like I said, throwing it to the, the different receivers he is, he's showing trust and faith in more than just one guy. There, There's not a lot of things that you can take from Ryan Fitzpatrick's game, but one thing that I really hope Alex Smith does is the one, one thing I will give Ryan Fitzpatrick credit for is he will put balls out there and let guys make plays. And it's not necessarily that they're always going to make them, but he at least gives – you are rewarded for throwing the ball downfield in the NFL. There's all kinds of penalties. The game is built as such that, you know, throwing throwing balls down the field, you're, you're going to get a lot of um, penalties. So, you know, being a little more aggressive is, is only going to be a good thing for Alex Smith and for the Chiefs. I wanted to ask you, Kent, about how you think the health of the Jets – uh, main receivers attributed to Ryan Fitzpatrick's game. Usually he he doesn't he's not lighting the world on fire, but he usually looks a lot better, like you said, throwing it up and letting those guys go out and make plays. Today, obviously Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall were both they weren't even they were questionable coming into the into the day. They were game time decisions. They go out there and play. Did their health have any effect on maybe the reason they weren't able to go and make those plays? And maybe that's the reason Marcus Peters and, and company were able to keep up with them. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it two different ways. One, I think what the Chiefs did is they I think their game plan was to let Ryan Fitzpatrick beat himself. I don't think they sent they didn't they well they, no, it sounds dumb in retrospect, but they didn't generate a lot of pass rush and it didn't look like they were that interested in sending a bunch of guys after him. They kind of flooded they kind of flooded zones. They didn't they didn't go and aggressively blitz him a ton, it didn't seem like. I think they were just playing in front and letting him beat himself. Um, but one thing, you know, that is a good point you said about the receivers. My my thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick has always been with him. I think he's been a product of really good skill players and Chan Gailey uh, manufacturing production for him. I didn't see a ton of throws today, and then you guys can tell me what you thought too. I didn't see a ton of throws where I was really impressed by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick making a play I think I saw two that I was like okay I can give him credit for that but a lot of what his production has been actually if we if we just look at last year a lot of his production has been um, schemed throws and allowing his uber talented receivers his big receivers on the edge to go make plays and I give him credit for that but a lot of his um, his deficiencies with arm talent accuracy and decision making they all showed up big time today he's not six interceptions bad because six interceptions bad is going to get you fired next week but I think we kind of saw some of the things that I've had issues with Ryan Fitzpatrick and I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago um, but yeah I think the Chiefs they just kind of they they stayed in front and allowed him to to make mistakes and he did and that's that's why the Chiefs won so moving into next week, the Chiefs will be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, who just got spanked by the Eagles. 
So that can be looked at as encouraging. It could also be one of those things where, oh, coming off a big loss, they might be ready to go kind of things. So I wanted to ask a question about the Eagles, who obviously are off to a hot start. Are they really this good, or are the Steelers looking a little bit uh, vulnerable at this point in the season? Is it like a cop-out to say a little bit of both? Yes. I, I think the same thing. <laughs> I just, I, okay, so like I think the Eagles are... Well, we all said Pittsburgh was like a top five AFC team at the beginning of the year, right? They, or maybe even I a, still a top that, five they, team in the league, AFC. I still think they are. I still think they Every are. Every team too. has okay. a bad week. It, They're oh, not, sure. This the Chiefs last week. This just seemed like one of those weeks to them for them. Because they, they were 2-0 going into the game. They obviously caught a major L. Um but they're still good, and everything that we think about them, I think, still reigns true. Their defense is serviceable enough. Their their defense is serviceable enough that they're going to be able to stop teams enough for the Steelers for them to score. They still have Ben Roethlisberger, uh, D'Angelo Williams slash Le'Veon Bell next week against the Chiefs, and the best receiver in football. And can can we just can we just say this? Antonio Brown is amazing, and I he's I. He's I, I I'm like I'm I'm more and more amazed by him as his as his career progresses. He is so much fun to watch, and he he's not like elite athletically gifted. He's talent. He's he's still athletically gifted, obviously, but he's just precise. He's aggressive, and he just makes he makes plays. It's so much fun to watch. I I'm actually a little more nervous for this game because I think I kind of agree, or not agree, but. Uh, a point that Kyle said is that I think the Steelers are going to be ready because it's going to be a home Sunday night football game. They got one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL that wasn't clicking last week, and the chances of that happening two weeks in a row are uh, slim to none. So I'm a little worried about this game. They get Le'Veon Bell back. That's going to be a huge kind of boost to them mentally is getting their kind of work horse back. Although not that he's like that much better than D'Angelo Williams like he is, but like D'Angelo's pretty good too and uh so it's i think it's gonna be still a real tough game for the chiefs going into pittsburgh at night it yeah we talked a little bit about how it didn't the chiefs weren't generating any pass rush at all today they really weren't they didn't create a ton of pressure um they just allowed fitzpatrick to just beat himself it's kind of the like they get they need to generate pressure next week and nothing that they've really shown the first three weeks of the season would have give you any level of confidence that they're actually going to be able to generate pass rush next week you've got to put pressure on big ben you've got to get him off his spot you got to kind of make him move a little bit i mean he's good on the run still but you've got to get him uncomfortable in the pocket and i don't have any level of confidence that chiefs can actually do that you know i i said you know a few weeks ago i thought interior pass rush was going to be a huge asset for this team and they would be able to account not necessarily for all of justin houston's production but enough to you know keep the line moving with this team and I still haven't seen it. I have a little nerves that they're actually going to be able to generate any kind of pressure next week. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, this is a tough game for them. They go into their bye week the week after that, and then I think things kind of ease up a little bit on them. They go to Oakland, um, and then in their next four, they got the Saints, the Colts, and the Jaguars. And I think early on, the Colts game kind of looked at one that could be tough, but the Colts are terrible. They're not good. Their Damn. offensive line is awful. Andrew Luck's out, out there just getting absolutely demolished every game. When, when we talked a couple weeks ago, they had just had some interior offensive line issues. I think a couple guys got hurt. That's playing out. The, the Colts do not look – you're absolutely right, Josh. They do not look like a good football team right now. Defensively, they don't look good. Andrew Luck's out there running for his life half the time. 
and he looks uncomfortable. Now, they made enough plays to win against the Chargers at home, whoop-de-doo, you know, but, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not too excited. But I don't think I was that excited about them a couple weeks ago either. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, like you said, that offensive line, like you said, Andrew Luck's running around. He doesn't even have time to see the rush coming before he has time to run around. He's getting hit that quickly. The line's been so bad these last couple weeks for him. You mentioned the you mentioned the Jaguars there a second earlier, Josh. I'm actually, I'm a little off Blake Bortles compared to where I started at the beginning of the year. I had some level of expectation that he was going to be able to take another step, but he looks he has not looked very good. This no, year. not at all. And he's kind of he's one of those guys that we talk about a lot of these guys. You know, he throw he threw a lot of touchdowns. He put up a lot of numbers last year. He put up really good numbers. Um, his team wasn't competitive in some of the games that he put those numbers up in and he hasn't taken a step as far as you know winning his team games there's been opportunities there the last couple uh last couple weeks but he has or a lot twice i think twice in the last three weeks he's had opportunities to you know in a close game to, to pull it out and he just hasn't been able to in his defense not that i want to take his side at all because like you said he has not been good but they haven't gotten production out of anyone on their offense. They're running for out of the running back position, receiver position, that comes into Bortles some, but they haven't gotten any help in the running game so they can set up a play action or set up anything to try and put eight in the box or anything like that. So he's getting no help from anyone else either. And the production level of their defense hasn't been there either. I mean, Malik Jackson's done some good things. I don't think he's been worth $90 million like what he got paid. Um but the, the guys they drafted and are developing haven't really panned out that much so far as they should have either. So, yeah, moving on from that, um, the Carolina Panthers, another team on our schedule this year that haven't started off so hot. So, again, we went through all these picks at the beginning of the year, assuming these teams were going to be similar to they were last year. Cam Newton doesn't look the same. Um, we already talked about Pittsburgh, one bad game. They're still 2-1, and one, though. Um, so what do you guys think about the Carolina game? Any changes there? I still, I've seen issues with them. I'm still I'm still scared of Carolina. They're still the defending or defending NFC champs. NFC champs. Yeah, defending NFC champs. I think today, with losing Jonathan Stewart last week, I think that he's a big part of their offense. I think that kind of threw threw him out of rhythm a little bit. Not necessarily to get pounded like they did today, but I think that throws it off a little bit. But you're right, they didn't look good at all today. I still think the Panthers are the best team in the NFC South, though. Like the Saints, they still can't. And it's only week three. It's Again, only week with the caveat. It's only week three. And Things can the turn. The two around. games they've lost are to a good Minnesota Vikings team. And I don't know where, by the way, like, how is Minnesota winning games? People just keep dropping and I, they, they look, keep dude, moving the ball and doing look, what they need to do. Their defense looks insanely good. Sam Bradford is not bad at football. Just give it a week. Just wait. His ACL has wait, wait one more week. ACL goes when out. he's on the field, I agree. He's, <laughs> he, when he's he healthy, he looks good. He looks, and even last year, like he got off to a rough start in the beginning of last season, but he finished so well last year. Sam Bradford had still all the things that people said about Sam Bradford when they drafted him early. He still has the upside and potential. He has been hamstrung, literally by his hamstring. <laughs> close. He's been. He, it's his AC. I mean, you know, he's sort. He's tore his ACL like three times or whatever has been like. And that. then shoulder one year. It's just. The dude, anything and everything with him. The dude is fragile, and I, I will give him credit. I, I I laughed a little bit last week because in the in the Sunday night game, it looked like he like broke his hand, 
I don't know if you saw. It was just the ugliest looking thing. I <laughs> thought I was like gross. I just I was like inside. I was just like okay. The the Vikings just traded a first round pick. They're going all in this year. They're going for it. And what does the dude do? He breaks his hand. Week one or week two. First first home game in the new stadium. Same week that. Adrian Peterson tears his meniscus. I mean, it just, I, I felt so bad. But, man, that dude is balling out. And he, he's carrying over what he did last year. People really knock Sam Bradford like he sucks. He does not suck. He's a good quarterback. Who can't stay healthy. Whose circumstantial, circumstantials, circumstances around him have, have limited, limited him. And, uh, but he's good when he's on the field. And, it, well, he's good when he's away from St. Louis. Because St. Louis did him <laughs> yeah, good. Right. Almost everyone, everyone. No one can succeed in St. Louis everything, or Cleveland. Those two <laughs> cities are just trash. Everything is good away from St. Louis. Yes. They, they brag about toasted ravioli like it's a thing. <laughs> I do add toasted ravioli, though. The world, it's delicious. The world's best toasted ravioli. The world's only toasted ravioli. I've never been somewhere and they're like, you know what? You should try the toasted ravioli. The only place that touts that is St. Louis. I don't even know if that is that exists anywhere outside. The best Italian food, the best uh, ravioli, their best pizza. The pizza is They think, yeah, garbage. they think they're the best pizza, barbecue, and toasted ravioli. I've never St. heard... St. Louis is the most arrogant team, or arrogant city for no reason. I've never heard anybody, like... Tell me you gotta do you gotta try this St. Louis style something. <laughs> no one's ever told me that. It's an, uh, sorry. So it's been a few weeks, actually, almost two months since we updated you guys on the blind fantasy football draft. If you didn't hear that episode, what we did is we took a good player, an average player, a rookie, and then a Browns player uh, at every position, put him in a hat, and drew a random fantasy team. Uh, Kyle's was hilarious, but here's an update for you. We all thought Kyle was going to be terrible, and it's they're still bad. JT JT through two weeks has 51 points. <laughs> okay, caveat: half my team is hurt. Well, that that's, injuries is part but, of the game, bro. I understand that, but I'm playing I'm playing with half a team here, guys. Like, don't let him fool you and say like, oh, everyone's playing and they're just scoring that low. Okay, just, okay, okay but just team. manage it better, but man. But here's the, here's the thing: be better. Kyle's quarterback has not been active. <laughs> My quarterback has been active one game. It's not that much different. I'm still out here getting W's. His his first receiver has been suspended for the first four games, and Josh Gordon. My, my... One of my receivers has played two snaps in three weeks. He's been active this week. It's basically the same thing. Keep going. Let's just. All right. I'm gonna. We'll give you a list of all the teams. We'll just tell you where everybody's at. So JT is in last place with 51 points. <laughs> we he he drew Robert Griffin the third. And in the case God. of going on uh, injured reserve, we were just gonna give them the next Browns quarterback. So his quarterback is currently Josh McCown. He didn't get put on injured reserve. He's just out. Jeremy Macklin is his first receiver. Laquan Treadwell is inactive this week. Played two snaps total in the first two weeks. Kenneth Dixon hurt out, out for the first four weeks. God. Adrian Peterson was your first quarter, or was your running back. God. Played a week and a half. <laughs> he got on injury reserve, so we gave him a good running back since he drafted the good running back in that round and gave him David Johnson. And then uh, Hunter Henry, the rookie tight end, he's actually got more points than we ever expected. That's about what I expected for the season. So The best player on your team right now is the Kansas City Chiefs defense, who had 35 points uh, in this week. Uh, but that's JT's team. Kyle's team is hilariously sad. It's, it's Jared Goff, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Duke Johnson, 
Mark Ingram, Jeremy Graham, Justin Tucker, and the New York Giants. Very boring, basic, and not good either, but still better than JT's. It helps when everyone but only two players, only two players don't play on your team rather than four or five every week. And oh, other notable note on my team, on my third kicker, probably about to go to the fourth win <laughs> when Cody Parkey gets, that gets Browns, cut this week. Yeah, the JT's on his third Browns kicker, and Parkey missed three field goals, including the game winner today, and so he's probably going to get cut. Uh, I think it's kind of setting up how we thought it would. It's going to come down to Kent and I for the championship. Kent did get me in our first matchup. He scored 163 points on the year. Uh, which is three times as much as JT, <laughs> and I've scored 135, but uh, we did lose in our head-to-head matchup. So the standings are Kent's 2-0, Kyle and I are 1-0, and and JT is 0-2. You you and Kyle are 1-1. One 1-1, one. One one, sorry, 1-1, one and, one. Uh, and um, JT's 0-2. I am kind of just surprised, though, that one Kyle won a game. And I am too. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I know it's two weeks in, but I thought Josh was going to go ham and probably win like 12 of 13 games. But that's just how fantasy football works. Kyle's team name's the best. He named it the Crying Jordans, <laughs> which is so appropriate and so funny and so true. My kicker's probably going to get cut too because I have a Guayo, which is <laughs> probably. I don't feel that bad because I think that it's going to get Tampa Bay's GM fired because he has been terrible for wasting, what, a third-round pick on the Bears? No, it was a second-round pick. Second-round pick. They traded up with the Chiefs into the second round to take Roberto Aguayo, and he has the yips. I don't know if you guys remember this. Remember when Chuck Knobloch couldn't throw from second base to first base? I do remember this, He went through half a season where he couldn't couldn't make the routine throw from second to first. It was just like he had the yips. Roberto Aguayo has the yips, and he's just missing everything. He looks awful for a second-round pick. It's hilarious. So we will keep you guys updated as we go throughout the season, Uh, but it looks like it's setting up for Kyle and JT to potentially have to uh, do our punishment for losing this league. Um, But I think it's kind of setting up how we thought it would. Uh... I, uh, I, I, I thought Kyle would not win a game. He he has won more games than I expected two game two weeks in. Like I'm just holding out hope that like by some miracle, some fluke, Kyle just sneaks into the playoffs or sneaks into the championship. That would be just the, the funniest thing ever. You're forgetting though, Kyle does have Justin Tucker on his team. The GOAT. the GOAT. So he did, you know, Justin Tucker scored 17 of his 40 points this week. <laughs> so we are uh, you know, when he you know Tucker was on fire. We uh, said we said Justin Tucker was going to be Kyle's best player, and it's kind of ring true. But I don't understand your obsession with Justin Tucker. It's I, I don't get it. Okay, I'll tell you my slight obsession with Justin Tucker. Slight. Okay, okay. Pause. Your obsession is more than slight. But continue on with your story. Here's my obsession with Justin Tucker. Two reasons. One, like two years ago, he scored like 38 points in a Monday night game. When I was losing to Kent by like 35 and yep. brought me back from a win. Wasn't quite 38, but okay. Yeah. Second, <laughs> second, he is the single-handedly the reason for what I, what I consider the second greatest win in Texas football history in my lifetime. The first being, the first being Vince Young in the national championship. And the second being when Justin Tucker said goodbye to A&M. And kick the game-winning field goal in the last game versus Texas and Texas A&M. 
It was amazing. He went nuts. I don't know how he didn't break his legs because he got tackled from behind by like three people and got dragged backwards. But uh, that's my two reasons why Justin Tucker is the goat of all kickers. If I asked you to rank Texas's 100 best wins, would you be able to do it? Because I have a feeling like you would. It wouldn't even be that hard for you. I could do. I could do the top ten right now off the top of my head. Oh God, no, 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 no. Okay, you asked for it, Kent. So I'll I'll do it quick. <laughs> Quick, top 10. Number one, obviously, national championship. Number two, the win versus A&M. Number three, the 2008 OU Texas game. <laughs> 45-35, don't forget. <laughs> Number four, the Rose Bowl against Michigan. The year before, Texas won the national championship. Okay. Number five, Case McCoy's senior year win against OU in the in the... Cotton Bowl when Texas was like one and four and OU was four and zero and they just like lit them up and destroyed them and Mac Brown ran it up. It was his last year. <laughs> Number six would have to be the win versus A and M. Uh, Vince Young's junior year when they had uh, they went down to A and M and beat them on Thanksgiving. I think it was the first Thanksgiving game and they just like kicked the crap out of them. <laughs> This is amazing because this is not edited at all. I know like, this, this is just straight off the top of his head. He's just like going bam, 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 awesome. bam, bam. Oh, I'm so impressed. Number seven was the win in the uh, horseshoe, uh, Vince Young senior year, which I know you, uh, Kent, and Kyle are really up. excited about. When uh, uh, Vince Young hit Lima Swede in the court in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. Number eight would have to be uh, the. Um, BCS game against Ohio State with Colt McCoy when Terrell Pryor was the quarterback. Colt McCoy's junior year when they should have been in the national championship game because that goes back to the 45-35 game uh, when they beat OU, but OU got to go uh, anyway. Number nine. (laughs) Not bitter at all. (laughs) Number nine would have to be Major Applewhite's senior night game against (laughs) Baylor when he scored a touchdown and chucked the ball like 40 yards into the stands. That was oh, hilarious. I remember that one. Yeah, that was yeah. great. I totally yeah. remember that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, number 10 would have to be, I'm going to say number 10, just for right now, because they've been down for so long, was the Notre Dame game like three weeks ago. I got super <laughs> hyped for that game because Texas has sucked for like six years, and Notre Dame sucks, so it's probably not that great of a win anyway. <laughs> but uh, it was it was uh, probably the most fun I've had watching a game in like six or seven years. I have like no way to fact check you whether or not like this is even a good argument, but like I just want to give you a slow clap right now because that was so impressive. I don't know if it was like just the ten wins that came off the top of your head, but like I'm wildly impressed. That was that was amazing. I will say I've been extremely lucky uh, for multiple reasons. No. One. One, yeah, I know. You guys are going to laugh at this. One, I, I know Texas football has been, like, one of the big-time programs, but really I grew up in their golden years. Like, the 2000s to 2009 was, like, the golden year of Texas, golden years of Texas football. That was exciting. And, uh, you know, and then I get to move to Kansas City, and I get, like, the golden years of Royals baseball. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun time. And last, before I forget about this, because I promised this to this person, I do have to give a shout out to JD Bickley on his first varsity soccer goal this year. Woo! Uh, so give him yeah. give him a shout out. Congrats, JD. JD, yeah, I know I know who you are, man. What's his yeah. name? JD. JD. All right, congratulations. <laughs> well, that'll do it for episode six of the Mad Average Pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. We've got some fun stuff planned. The next couple weeks, we'll get to it. Uh, one thing we're going to draft, uh, catching Kelsey girls. It's going to be fun. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye.